Hello, everybody. Today, Jonah and I are going to speak to you in a different light. Yeah, the world is scary right now. And that's not an easy thing to think about, but we felt that we need to address what's happening in our country. So usually our podcast has been in a comedic style, but right now we're living in a solemn time in our history. The murder of George Floyd at the hands of a white police officer was God willing the final straw needed for America to address its own systematic racism and spark a much-needed movement for change across the country. The times have found us. It is time for fundamental and structural police reform that leads to the defunding of the police department in America. We must root out white supremacy in law enforcement and create an environment where people of color don't fear for their lives. We want to use this platform that we have to seriously address this issue. Now, obviously, being the two white men that we are, it's not right for just the two of us to talk to you guys about this issue. Uh, knowing that we reached out to some friends of ours and asked them some questions about how they feel about the present climate and their personal experiences with racism. We are also going to give them the floor to directly address you all. In this time, it is vital to elevate the voices of people of color. For white people, it is time to listen, educate ourselves, and support the efforts of people of color in their fight for justice. The world is watching, waiting to see how America responds to its second pandemic. Please listen, acknowledge, and learn from what you are about to hear. Our first guest today is an accomplished, multi-talented musician, singer, actor, athlete, activist, and one of the kindest, most down-to-earth people you could ever meet. In high school, he was one of the best singers at Niles North as a member of Chorale, the top choir, and Take One, the top vocal jazz group. He was selected as an ILMEA All-State Musician twice for both choir and vocal jazz, and was selected as an ILMEA District Musician for both regular choir and for vocal jazz three times. He participated in the Black History Assembly and was a wicked saxophone player in symphonic winds and in jazz band. He flawlessly portrayed Benny in our school musical In the Heights and was involved in many other theater productions. He was a member of the Steel Pan Ensemble and was involved in broadcasting. He also managed to be a solid academic student along the way. Whew, that's a really dedicated and involved guy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to introduce Franz. Hello, Franz. Thank, Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm with you today. Um, and we're just going to get right into it. Um, we would like to know, what was your immediate and what are your like ongoing reactions to the murder of George Floyd at the hands of a white police officer? Well, like as a black man living in USA or living anywhere, it's pretty traumatizing to see such inhumane actions done by a cop towards someone who looks like me. And I feel as though, like, yeah, a lot of people are saying that the protest should be peaceful, but they don't understand that you can only be oppressed for so long without feeling anger and just wanting to riot, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your past have any personally, like, personal encounters with this kind of situation, with police injustice? Personally, no, because I feel as, like, the area that we live in, the cops are more humane than other places because like this is such a diverse county and so i feel as though they would know that if something if they did something like that it would spark an uproar whereas like in other places 
they don't really put that into consideration. Right. Right. Yeah. We're very, very lucky to live in this place. Um, and as we know, and as our listeners may know, you have moved on to college this year. Yes. Sir. Moved on to DePaul University. Yes. Um, in your in your first year there, has the climate been different than you're used to with racial tension, racial wise? Did you experience anything different than you had in Skokie? Um, and that was like around November where me and a couple friends were waiting for a bus and someone just drove past me and just screamed out the hard R and I was like, that was very uncalled for. There was no reason for you to say that to me. Wow. But other than that, it's been the same as where we are. That's good. That's good. What would you say to white allies who want to help support the Black Lives Matter movement but don't really know how to contribute, don't know where to start, like, what are some first steps that people can take in that regard? Well, first, I'd probably say to educate yourselves and just, like, get used to understanding what different scenarios have gone down and why we're feeling the way that we are. And, like, for contributing-wise, I'd say any petition that you come across, whether it's free or not, just sign your name. Make sure to, like, post certain things to make sure that people know exactly what's going on just keep everyone in the loop and then other than that i think you're fine great i'm sure you heard about like the a cab stuff with with that um what are your thoughts on that and what are your thoughts on a gradual defunding and abolition of the police department in america i mean for the a cab thing going around i agree with it because it, like, it doesn't stand for all cops are bad. It's just saying that all cops all cops are bastards, meaning like they work for like a bastardized institution. And like defunding the police, I don't think that we should completely abolish it because then everyone would just do whatever they want and there would be no there would be no power saying that you couldn't do that. Like I feel like abolishing it is wrong. You know, I think you talked about this at a little a little at the beginning. But do you have anything else to say about, you know, people who choose to criticize the riots instead of talking about the real issues of, um, of racism that are at work here? The like, people who choose to focus on, like, the looting and the rioting, yeah, it's a problem. But if you think that's the biggest problem, then, like, I don't know, something's not clicking up here. Yeah. As an aspiring musician... Do you foresee any conflict, struggles, barriers in the future regarding race and this line of work? Well, since my genre that I partake in is jazz, I would say no, because a lot of jazz people listen back to like the performers in the 1930s and so forth. And the majority of those people were African-American performers. So I feel like if you were to be racist in the world of jazz, you would get criticized very quickly. They don't take that lightly at all. Right. So we're going to give, per our last question to you, we're just going to give you the floor to say whatever really you would like to the people listening, just something to resonate with them, anything you have on your mind about the issue. Now's the time if you want to do that. I'd say don't be afraid to speak your mind because I know on, on social media, a lot of people are saying, Oh, if you feel some type of way, just unadd me. And that, that's just 
childish. Like, it's okay for people to have different opinions. And if you disagree with someone's opinion, don't say unadd me. Just try and talk to them and see how they're viewing the situation versus how you're viewing the situation. And other than that, that's that's about it. That's all I have to say about that. Well, thank you very much for joining us. This means a lot to us, helping us out, helping out everyone with our words. We hope we can have you back here in a different light, in a more energetic yeah. tone, back yeah. to the way sometimes Louie and I usually act on this thing. But yeah. other than that, just, just the guest. <laughs> the guest, yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you so Thanks much. for having me. For sure. Our second guest today is a passionate activist from Niles North fighting for change in this country. She was a speaker at a protest just the other day. She was an extremely dedicated, involved student in high school. She was the PR representative for student government, an accomplished visual artist, a student leader, skilled broadcaster, and incredible athlete on the girls' basketball team. She was actively a member of Students Organized Against Racism and Fem Club. Academically, she was stellar earning a GPA above 4.0, and she won the Outstanding Senior Award of Distinction. You will hear about this person's successes all throughout your lives, I'm sure. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our privilege to introduce Udoka. Hello, Udoka. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, despite all the uh, craziness and everything that's going on right now. Great. Um, so we're just going to get right to it. Um, our first question for you today is what was your immediate and what are your ongoing reactions to George Floyd's murder? Immediate reaction is just exhaustion. Like, I just feel like I'm tired of like these things happening. Like I'm tired of seeing it. Like I remember being like confused and concerned for myself. Like when I, when this first, like when we first heard like Trayvon Martin and then there was Mike Brown and then Philando Castile and so on and so forth. And, like those were like scary. It's still scary, but like now it's just like, you're just like tired of it happening. And it's gotten to that point. It's like so exhausting and also like infuriating that you just kind of like want to do something. So I feel like, and then like now ongoing, it's just like trying to channel that anger and that frustration and annoyance with, um, everything that's going on, trying to channel that into some form of action. Great. Um, yeah. I went to the protest the other day um, and saw you speak, and I just wanted to say <laughs> you're really inspiring, really moving, um, and I can't imagine, but I want to ask, uh, what was going through your mind as you spoke on Thursday? Um, first thing I was thinking, I hope these people can freaking hear me, <laughs> because <laughs> there is a big old crowd like probably has to be like a couple thousand people maybe like a thousand maybe i don't know there's a lot of people out there um so i was worried that they couldn't hear me and then um just like speaking i was nervous i'd written down a speech in my phone because part of me was like maybe i should just go up there and just like speak what's on my mind but then i tend to ramble so i was like let me just like write some notes down um of like some things I wanted to say. And I was just hoping that I could convey my my frustration and like all the things I was feeling into this speech because really what I was trying to um, talk about is how there's been so much progress made just in this past like two weeks, you know, but it can't like stop here. It can't 
end because it's not the trending topic on Twitter anymore. It can't end because everybody already posted their little Instagram screens and then kept it pushing. Like, it has to be continuous effort, you know? Like, it's not... Like, the movement's been around for, what, like, eight years now, I want to say? And, like, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But I mean, like, the amount of progress and really just... Um, the amount of accountability that and like the standard that people are holding each other to right now is really great in my opinion like I think calling out like these businesses and calling out um, these like celebrities and all these people in positions of power calling them out for um, not doing enough or not saying anything not speaking up like I think that level of accountability is good because um, it's just like time for everybody to really just step into like this place of discomfort and learn about what's like really actually take the time to learn about like what's happening right now so like just in the speech I was trying to just tell people like it doesn't end here you know like really this is just like we're just getting into it like we're just starting to see like the beginning like roots of a future change to come there's so much more to go um we so we kind of kind of just graduated high school yeah do you think do you think you could identify and talk about any existing forms of systemic racism that we have at at north okay well i think with north well first of all our staff has a complete lack of diversity like as we know there's only like one actual black teacher at school besides that like I mean, I just think it bullets me because now North really is, like, a super diverse school. Like, everyone knows this. it's a diverse school, you know, and that's, like, a great thing. But obviously our staff, like, doesn't reflect that. And we've had a history of kind of screwing over our Black staff members um, at North. Like, we saw with Dr. Isaac's situation or even Doc Rob, uh, Dr. Robinson freshman year. Um, so we've just, like, seen – or um, – what's her name, our old um, director of equity. Um, so just, like, seeing the way that, like, those staff members have been, like, treated and stuff, like, those black staff members, like, that's one thing. Second of all, curriculum, I think it depends on, of course, it depends on the teacher that you have, because I know, like, a lot of teachers are um, making strides to really um, make their courses intersectional, because a lot of times, like, curriculum can be very... Um, Eurocentric and like oriented towards like quote unquote like white culture um, and stuff. So I think it's great that we have that we just started our Asian American Studies course like this past year, which is really cool. Then we have Afro Lat Studies, which is amazing, taught by um, Sharma. But I think those things and just also like in terms of like our school culture, I see a lot of like subtleties of um, racism racism around I just think that because our school is so diverse I think it's made us all like really like comfortable and stuff around each other and I think sometimes like comfort can kind of like lead to people overstepping other people's boundaries and thinking like oh I can say this because we go to Niles North you know like it's fine um when it's not so like I've seen I've seen a lot of that too over the past four years but and I've seen a lot of um, just, like, performative stuff, like, things that are, like, 
don't know, I think our school can kind of, or especially like our administration can sometimes hide behind like the cloak of diversity now. Like we um, automatically assume we're better than the Nutrias and the GBSs and all those types of schools. And like in a lot of ways, I think we are. <laughs> but um, there is uh, some stuff we need to do like on our home front. I remember maybe it was sophomore year, I want to say, where we did the walkout, quote-unquote, for um, Standing Against Racism Day, where we walked outside for 10 minutes, you know, and held up signs, and all of our, our white female teachers took pictures with the uh, black bas- boys on the basketball team, you know, and it's like, whoo, racism ended. But, like, really, though, like, that's things, little things like that were just, like, some things that I that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But, like, of course, that doesn't mean, like, we don't do a lot of great things at school, because we do. We um, really elevate our student leaders, I think, which is good. Our school does try to, like, amplify those voices, which is always, like, a step in the right direction. Yeah, and you weren't shy to be very active in making changes in the school, as you said. You know, a little mic check, you are part of the store, Students Against Racism, I believe. Yes, and yes, in Fem Club and a whole bunch of you're in the government. Um, how do you see yourself in the future, continuing this track of activism? Um, in the future, I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where I'm going to be. Like everything is like constantly changing and stuff. So I don't really know like where I'm gonna go from now you know but i i just hope that i can continue to like keep doing things that involve like activism you know like right now i mean i tried i did a little or i did a speech like at thursday's protest we were talking about um in school i by senior year i really like found my groove and to like what kind of like activism activism speaks to me because you know it's different for everybody and I think so next year I'm going to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor I just hope that I can find like my niche there and like find out where how I can continue to be doing activism whether it's like being a part of some school organization or getting a part of some like grassroots activism honestly I don't know hopefully I'm trying to find, I'm going to try to find some organizations and groups to be a part of um, to keep trying to make a difference and make a change when Black Lives Matter isn't at the forefront of the news or everybody's minds and stuff. Um, have you personally or any family members personally dealt with um, police brutality or injustices? Um, okay, so like... In my nuclear family, no. But I've seen it with, like, friends and their family members, like, multiple instances of, like, bad run-ins, like, with the police and stuff. And um, even then, though, like, there have been experiences. One instance I can think of um, is when... My brother and his friend got stopped when they were in high school. They were coming out of Macy's, and um, they thought that my brother and his friend were trying to steal when they weren't, and they kept um, asking them, like, oh, where'd you get those bags from? They're black. They can't, you know, shop at Macy's and have, like, their 
bags of like expensive clothes or whatever ever like it must be that they had to have stolen them like that was one of those things that just kind of like blew me like and I was in I think I was in middle school when that happened and like that was just one of those things that was like really close to home and just like really showed the way that um we get viewed differently and just like get uh, profiled because of their um, implicit bias. As I, as I'm sure you know, uh, you know we got an election coming up, uh, November. <laughs> with this issue in consideration with Black Lives Matter, what makes uh, this upcoming election so incredibly crucial, especially now? Um, this election is crucial for so many reasons. First of all, just because. We are in the midst of a pandemic and it is not being handled properly at all in any way, shape, or form. That's the first thing. Second thing, we've seen these protests, these riots in the past two weeks and are angry and people are tired and people are just tired of him, tired of everything that he stands for because all he does is just, he just preaches hate. Like, I don't know. I, it's infuriating to watch. It just doesn't make sense. And I'm, and there's just, like, no way to justify it at this point. So I just think... And also his um, approval rates and, like, how well he's handling race relations in this country are also, like, really low. Two-thirds of the population don't think what he's doing is right, you know? And it's, like, at that point, like, there has to be a complete change in um, administrations. That's what November can give us. And as someone who's going to be voting in a swing state in Michigan, I'm ready to uh, use my right to vote, you know, participate in the democracy and whatnot. Because, yeah, this election is, is critical. Like, change needs to be made, and change needs to be made as soon as it can be. So I'm just hoping that he doesn't get another four years. Because I don't, I don't know if any if this country can handle that. Yikes! Yeah, you talked about this with some of the Niles North administration people with performative activism. What distinguishes performative activism from you know a more real, genuine concern uh, about the empowerment of people of color? So we were wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Um. Well, okay. This is just my take. Obviously, I don't speak for all like black people, whatever. But from like the way that I see it, I feel like it all comes down to what's in your heart. I guess not to sound corny, but like real activism is you feeling empathy towards the struggles of black Americans or just black people because police brutality is obviously like a global issue, honestly, and. Um, just like feeling for them and wanting to actually be a part of this movement and wanting to help like end the police brutality and see like black communities across the world like really thrive and I feel like there's something like very genuine in that and you can tell with people and it's like with actions like donating going to these rallies and protests not just to take pictures take your selfies post on the gram but like actually doing these things and finding ways that you can help, like, even if it's on a local level, like, finding ways to help those communities and stuff, like, that's genuine to me. And, like, with performative allyship or performative activism, that is, I feel like with that, the intention behind that is very self-serving. 
you like real activism you want to serve other people you want to help other people performative activism is like you're serving yourself you want to be like hey look at me like i'm doing this i'm doing that and like doing things just to say that you're doing them you know not because you actually feel anything like any type of way like about these struggles and I think, like, a lot of times, like, people can really, like, show themselves. I mean, sometimes it's hard to distinguish because you can um, donate $50 to the Minnesota Freedoms Fund and still be, like, a performative, you know, ally in um, some other way, shape, or form. So it can be kind of, like, a gray area, but I think it does just come down to, like, your motive. For example, some people who just haven't spoken up about anything that's going on right now and haven't done anything. And then they want to turn around and post like their black screen on the page and be like blackout Tuesday, whatever. And then the next day they'll delete the square and then keep posting their selfies at the beach and whatever. Like it's no biggie. So I think like something like that would strike me as like performative because it's like you're not, you don't really care. You're just doing it because everyone else is doing it, which to me is like some fake ass stuff because, excuse me, I don't know if we're allowed to curse. Um, but just because, like, these are, like, real people, these are real struggles, like, this isn't, I don't know, it's not a game, it's not a hashtag, it's not, it's more than just, like, a hashtag, you know? These are people's lives, like, at hand, and it should be treated as such. So, yeah. We want to um, thank you again for coming on here. What you said is very moving. We very appreciate you being here. Um, we're now going to just give you the floor to just say whatever you want to the people listening. It's on your mind. It's on your heart. I guess I would say to the people out there who are want to do something and who do want to like participate actively in this movement, I would just say find your place within it because that doesn't look the same for everybody. For some people, it looks like them making art for other people it looks like them going to their local business that may have gotten looted and helping them clean up. For some people, it is marching on the front lines and fighting and throwing tear gas at police officers, you know? Like, it just looks different for everybody. And some people aren't going to be, like, as loud as with their activism as others, I guess. But um, it does look different for everyone. Some people are at protests handing out water bottles and snacks. And it's like, that's a form of activism, too, in a way, you know, or like helping to prepare meals for um, CPS kids. So it can be different just depending on who you are. But it's just about like finding um, your way to participate because there's definitely room in the movement for everybody. Thank you so much for coming again. It was a real pleasure Um, to have you. Thanks for even asking me to uh, speak on here. I'm grateful. For sure. Anytime. Thank you all for listening. I know that everything Franz and Udoka said was from the bottom of their hearts, and it means the world that their messages will be able to be heard. Yeah, I second that completely. We hope for all of our white listeners, this is one of many steps that you are taking to educate yourself about the plight of people of color. The fight for change doesn't stop when you go to bed at night. It is always ongoing. With that in mind, please continue to find ways to make an impact. Donate money to organizations that are fighting against police brutality. Support black businesses. Attend a protest. Post on social media. Call your representative. These are just many ways to do this. And most importantly, listen. Take everything in. 
as Louis said, and as both of our guests said, educating yourself is a crucial and necessary step. This was a much-needed episode to be talked about. Thank you for sticking around. The fight does not stop here. Please continue to do everything you can. This is a much-needed change in American history that needs to happen. Yeah. Next uh, week's episode will jump back right away to things as they normally are. We hope we can get you guys to laughs you want in this time, as that is why we do this. We want to bring you guys joy during a revolutionary point in American history. We know that nothing will be normal, and you know we hope things don't go back to normal. Like We hope this stays in the news cycle. And so, like, our episodes will go back to, you know, making you guys laugh. But no, we're always thinking about this, and we hope you are too. And with that... No justice, no peace. Goodbye, everyone.